0: Now, in spite of what Brother Brad said, I'm going to preach the whole message. A little, uh, <clears throat> there was a preacher that was very long-winded, and um, you know, people endured through the sermon. One particular Sunday, though, there was a snowstorm, and there was only one little boy that showed up for church. And the um, pastor said he didn't, he didn't want to waste the preparation, so he's just going to go ahead and preach. And so he preached the whole sermon. They prayed and even took an offering. didn't get very much because, you know, one little boy didn't have very much. It was all over with and it was time to go home. He asked the little boy, well, what did you think of the sermon? And the little boy looked at the pastor and said, well, pastor, I know you're supposed to feed the flock, but did you have to give the whole load to one poor little lamb? So, well, the title of the message this morning is, What is a Real Church? Okay, what is a real church? There's a, uh, sometimes we think, well, church is a place where we, uh, where we meet friends, and that's a good place to meet friends, but that's not a church. Uh, some people think that it's a place to do business. Well, we're going to see that actually the name of church has something to do with doing business, but it's God's business, not man's business. Some believe that it's a place that people come with, uh, have uh, community needs. And, yeah, church should help people with needs, and we see that in the Scripture. Okay. But just helping people with needs isn't necessarily a church. Some believe that it's a place to provide counsel for their families. Well, yes, people get counsel for their families, but just because they're getting counsel for the family doesn't necessarily mean that there's a church. What we're going to see is what is a real church. It's not a building. I don't know. I've mentioned this before, but how many of you have gone? By, how many of you have driven by a building that had a sign out there that says, you know, such and such church, and you say, oh, look, there's a church. How many of you have done that? Raise your hand. Okay. Did you know that that wasn't a church? That was a building. Okay. That was a building. And you can have a church in any kind of building. Okay. Um, when I was saved, way, way, way back when, a little bit after Noah, um, the church, I was saved in, in the Bible Baptist Church of Ventura and they didn't have a church. they didn't have their own building they met in the women's center every sunday morning they would get there early probably an hour before services was starting and they would have to sweep up the beer bottles and the cigarette butts and everything else and sweep it all up cuz the janitor didn't take care of that from the saturday night uh, parties that they would have and they would sweep all that up and they'd set up chairs and they came in with a they had made a a little wooden platform that they put down and then put a pulpit on it and Uh, wheeled in the piano and everything so that we could have services, and we'd have services there Sunday morning and Sunday night. Then on Wednesday night, uh, they had a special room set aside, upstairs room set aside, that uh, we could go up there and we could have church up there, and we had church there. Uh, That was at the Women's Center. It wasn't a church building. It was the Women's Center. Uh, I pastored a church. matter of fact, the very first church that I pastored, we... Um, we, were in a, we started in a Latin American building and we shared the building with the Latin American Assembly of God Church. They would come and they would have services the first part of the day and then right around 11 o'clock we would have our services and they didn't have evening services so we had the building Sunday night and, and Wednesday night. And then we moved into, um, I think it was at the Elks Club because we couldn't, we couldn't go along with them any longer. And so we went to the elk club and we had our meeting. We met in the elks club and it was kind of the same thing. We would go in a little bit early and make sure that it was all cleaned up and, and uh, we'd set it all up for church and have church services there. So the building is not the church. Remember when we were, when they first started the COVID and they wanted to try to shut us down, remember what we did? We went outside and we had church underneath the trees out there. That was pretty nice. I enjoyed that. I like that. Uh, I don't want to do it now that it's 100-degree temperature, though. We, we, we prefer staying inside, but it would be nice when it gets cooler again to maybe have services outside. This building is not the church. Okay? This is where the church of Faith Baptist Tabernacle meets in this building. If this building burned down this week, we would still have church next Sunday. We'd have to do it out underneath the trees. Or we'd have to get a tent, and we'd put a tent up, and we'd still have church. The church is the people. You are the church, not the building. And uh, so we're going to look at some things uh, in regards to that. Before we do, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, and we thank you for the opportunity to meet together as a church body. And Heavenly Father, we just pray now that you might uh, move in the services. Heavenly Father, help us to uh, use clarity of thought. God, I pray that you might use me, hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Help me, Heavenly Father, not to say anything that would offend, that would hurt, but that, Heavenly Father, I will glorify your name. Uh, may I be a blessing to these folks this morning. And We pray, Heavenly Father, that If there's anyone that has never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, that today they would get under conviction, they would see their need for salvation, and uh, we'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me, please, to the book of Matthew, and we're going to see the beginning, okay, the very, very beginning, Matthew chapter number 16. Now, there are some that try to say, well, the church started on the day of Pentecost. But I I contend with them and say, I don't, I don't believe to. We we actually begin to see the beginnings of a local church that Jesus built. And that's what's important. A, a, church, a real church isn't a church just because it's called a church. A real church is a church because it's something that Jesus has put on this earth. Let's read what happened in the 13th, starting in the 13th verse of the 16th chapter of Matthew. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, Now there's several things that's involved in that. One of the things is the fact that Jesus has already been calling some people out of what their normal life, livelihood was, and calling them to come and follow Him. We could go back earlier, you know, where He goes and He finds some fishermen, and they're out fish, and they're out fishing, and He comes to them and He says, "Follow Me. I'll make you fishers of men." And they dropped what they were doing and they started following Jesus, and he began to teach them and to lead them. Other places, he went into, uh, and, and there was a tax collector, a guy that was taking in money, and he says, follow me, and he stopped what he was doing, and he followed Jesus. And, and uh, there was others that uh, were notable. There was one that, uh, uh, that was uh, a physician, and he said, follow me, and he followed Jesus. And so we can, te- we can see at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus Christ he begins to call men to come and follow him and then we also we can see in some of the scriptures where some of the women were called to to and they called and they ministered to these and they were called disciples that this in the bible the word disciple means a learner a follower let me ask you a question how many Disciples, do we have this morning? Are you a disciple? Are you one that follows the Lord Jesus Christ? You allow him to teach you and you learn the spiritual things. I've known the Lord as my personal Savior for well over 50 years and I'm still learning. Matter of fact, it seems like every year there's more for me to learn. And I look at that and I says, there's so much that I don't know. Teach me more. Teach me more. That's a disciple. That's a learner. And so we see the very seeds of the beginning of the church. And then when we get to this particular passage of Scripture, Jesus gathers his disciples around him, and they've been they've been in a boat, and they've crossed uh, uh, the the uh, uh, the lake there, and they went from uh, they went to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, and he sat down and he asked them, "Who do people say that I am?" And you know. Uh, Some of them were confused, just like people are confused today. Who is Jesus? And uh, their response was, well, uh, he's John the Baptist. You know, uh, John the Baptist had uh, actually lost his head for preaching. And uh, maybe he was, they thought maybe he was resurrected. But he says, you're John the Baptist. And some of them said, no, 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 you're you're, you're, um, Elijah, reincarnated Elijah. Uh, some, well, no, 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 you're, you're, you're Jeremiah, uh, the the prophet Jeremiah. And these guys had died you know, a long time before Jesus came on the scene, but they're trying to say, well, that's who, that's who he is. He's a reincarnation. And some of them said, no, he's a, he's a uh, another prophet. He's a great teacher. They were kind of confused. Okay? And then he asked the question, who do you say that I am? You know, and it was kind of personal. Salvation isn't... Uh, isn't for a, a big group salvation is for an individual who do you say Jesus is Jesus has to be real to you he can't be real to just me i can't impart to you spiritual life all i can do is tell you what jesus said all i can do is tell you what the bible says you've got to have jesus yourself okay it's a personal thing I tell people you know we don't push a religion We talk about a person, because it's the person of Jesus Christ. And if you've never had a personal relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not born again. You may be religious, but you're not born again. You're not a follower of Christ until you come to that point in your life where you recognize that you're lost, that you deserve to go to hell, that you're a sinner by nature. And that only Jesus is the only one that can save you. And that you put your faith and trust in His death and His burial and His resurrection. And when you put that trust in Him and you make it personal, then He becomes your Savior. I remember years ago I was working for uh, Alpha, Beta Mike, uh, Alpha Beta Markets. And I was, I was still going to, uh, to, to uh, Bible college. It was an interesting year. Uh, most of my professors told me I shouldn't take a church, but I did anyway. It was my last year in Bible college. Um, we were married. We, have, we had a child, and um, I was working at Alpha Beta Markets 40 hours a week and driving from Corona, California to Pomona, California every morning to attend classes. I was carrying 17 units for my last year, and um, It was really something. I had to leave at about 4.30 in the morning to be able to get there on time because by the time I crossed all the different freeways, I had to go and go through all the towns I had to go down there. If I didn't do it early enough, I'd hit that traffic, and I couldn't get to school in time. So I'd leave about 4.30 in the morning. I'd get up and hop in my little Toyota Corolla, the worst automobile I have ever owned in my entire life. Uh, Nothing against Toyotas because I have one now, but that one was a lemon, and I mean it was a lemon, It was even yellow, but uh, anyway, uh, I'd roll down. uh, It it wouldn't start in the morning at four thirty in the morning, and I'd have to roll down the hill and pop the clutch, and then it would start, and then off I'd go. And the only thing I can say about that car is it got excellent gas mileage. Boy, I got about thirty-five miles to the gallon in that thing. But boy, it was like a rattle trap going down the road. Well, anyway, uh, uh, I have my classes come home, eat lunch, and then go from Corona to Pomona to work at Alpha Beta Markets. And one night, uh, you know, I worked amongst uh, folks that were non-Christians, and boy, they they would uh, cuss and swear and tell dirty jokes and things. And we were in the office, and uh, they started doing that. And I just, you know, I just said, that's it, I'm out, I'm through, and I walked out. And a, a guy by the name of Al came out, and he was kind of the night manager at the time, and he says, well, what's, what's wrong with you? And I says, nothing's wrong with me, but I says, you've been taking my Lord's name in vain. Do you realize that he died for you? And boy, it was almost like a volcano. He turned red. The veins in his neck began to protrude out. He says, don't you ever talk to me about that again. If I catch you off the clock in the parking lot, I'll clean the parking lot up with your carcass. And he probably could have done it. I came home and told my wife about it. Cheryl said, oh, do you have to go to work next, tomorrow? I said, yep, I got to go to work tomorrow. But I told him, I told Al after he threatened me, I says, well, that may be, but I says, it still doesn't change the fact that Jesus died for you and you need him as savior. Okay? And so, uh, uh, you know, he was personal. And the good news was, about a year after that, I went by the store. I was doing something else, and I went by to see how Al was doing. Al became the closest friend I had in that store. As a matter of fact, uh, when we would go in the back room, he'd yell out, Okay, the preacher's coming. You better knock it off. And if anybody in the office started taking the Lord's name in vain or or talking filthy, he'd say, You better shut up, preacher over here. It offends him. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you my knuckle sandwich. I go, wow, well, you know, this unsaved guy. Al finally got saved, though. And when I saw him that night, a uh, big smile on his face, he reminded me of that incident. And I told him yes. And he says, What, what, what uh, impressed him that night and just dug into his soul is I talked about my personal Savior. And he says, I didn't understand that. He says, But I understand it now because he's my personal Savior. My friend Jesus, it's a personal Savior. You got to know him. You got to know him. You can know about him all you want to. You can be a church member. You can be a member of a church, but not know Jesus Christ as Savior. And so it's got to be personal. And so Jesus said, Who do men say that I am? They told him, but he says, But who do you say that I am? And Peter made that statement and says, Well, you're the Christ, you're the Son of the living God. And, and, and Jesus said, You know, you're blessed, Simon Bar-Jonah. Bar-Jonah means son of Jonah. Simon, son of Jonah. And he says, My Father in heaven is the one that revealed that to you. And then he makes this uh, unusual statement. He says, yeah, uh, says Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Now, in the English, we don't get it. Okay, There are some things we don't get. But in the Greek, it, 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 it's very obvious. The word Peter... And the word rock are similar. One of them is a pebble. And Peter is petros, and it's pebble, a little pebble. The word rock that Jesus used is petra, and it means a foundational stone or a large rock. And so what he tells Peter, he says, Peter, you're just a little insignificant little rock. But upon the statement that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, that foundational stone is what I'm going to build my church on. And folks, that's what a real church is built on. It's not built on the personality of a pastor. It's not built on the personality of a congregation. It should be, if it's a real church, built upon the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. If it's built on anything else, It's built the wrong way. Now, I mentioned before, you know, some people say it's a good place to find friends. And it is. A church, a true church, is a good place because uh, uh, we're believers. Okay? And we all, if we know Jesus Christ as Savior, we're all in the same family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And we can be, we can have friends. We can find friends in a church. A church is a place, and the word "church" comes from the Greek word uh, that a called-out assembly to do business. And our business is telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Our business is building each other up in the faith. Our business is learning what the Word of God has to say about mankind. And using that and spreading it. Our business is spreading the gospel not only in our neighborhood, but in the neighborhoods around, and in the in the in the in the uh, uh, country that we live in, and in all the countries that we see here. That's our business. Okay, uh, a place that people uh, can uh, with uh, problems and they have needs. That's a church. Um, we see in the first church in the book of Acts. Uh, that they had people that uh, had a need and they gathered together and they saw to it that the needs were fulfilled. A church should fulfill those needs and, and um, be there for them. But it's got to be built upon Jesus Christ. It's got to be built upon Jesus Christ. Uh, a place where people can find uh, a counsel for their families. And uh, very few families that I know of doesn't need some sort of counseling. But it comes from the Word of God. It comes from Jesus Christ. It shouldn't be man's philosophy. It should be God's philosophy. Everything that we do should be based upon this Bible. It should be based upon Christ. It should be based upon what the church is supposed to be doing and not on our own philosophy. When we go to the book of Acts, turn with me to the book of Acts. By the way, this is all introduction. <laughs> Go to this, uh, Acts chapter number two. We see what happens with the powering of the church. I'm here. Jesus was crucified, his disciples were heartbroken. The Bible tells us that they met together in an upper room. The Bible tells us there were about 120 of them. There was a register. They had names. They took role. They had a business meeting. Judas, who had been the treasurer of the group and a thief, that's what the scripture says, had gone out and and killed himself. They needed to get a replacement. So they had a business meeting. And in the business meeting, they had an election. They voted on uh, Matthias to replace Judas. And then they had a prayer meeting. And that prayer meeting lasted 10 days. And they prayed. And they prayed. And they prayed. And when the day of Pentecost was come... Peter got up and began to preach. And he preached to the folks that were there. Verse number 29 of the second chapter says, Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David. And he is dead, both dead and buried, and his sepulchre is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would rise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither was his flesh. See, corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up. Therefore we all are witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God, exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he saith uh, shed Forth this which ye see here. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith unto himself that the Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. And said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then we, uh, we skip over to verse number 41. It says, then they which gladly received his word were baptized and that same day were added unto them about Three thousand souls, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and in fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. And fear came on every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and had all things common. And go go on down to verse number forty-six. They continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. This was a real church. It was founded upon Jesus. There were 330 of them left when Jesus left and they got together and they prayed and they prayed and they waited. Jesus had told them, wait until you're endowed with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so they waited and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. And the day finally came when they had the power of the Holy Spirit finally put upon them. And they got up and they preached. And when Peter was finished with his preaching, there were 3,000 people that got saved. Probably more because it just says that those those three 3,000 were baptized and there were probably some that got saved that didn't get baptized. But 3,000 souls added that day. But notice it says that they continued. That was a real church. That was a real church. And the thing of it is, folks, I'm not saying that, okay, we're not a real church because we don't have 3,000, but the point is they were doing what they were told to do. Jesus himself was the head. In Corinthians, uh, our Colossians, chapter one, verse number eighteen, it says, "And he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning and the first from the dead, and in all things he might have the preeminence." Still applies today. Uh, Jesus is the leader of a local church. It says uh, that Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. This church, this is we call it Faith Baptist Tabernacle. Pastor Rogers is not the head of this church. He is the under-shepherd. Jesus is the head of this church. It is not Pastor Rogers' church. It's not my church. It's not your church. You are the church. It's Jesus' church. And he's the head of this church. Amen? He's the head of this church. Many a man's ideas have crept in to a church. Okay? Okay. There are denominations that teach the human founders ideas rather than the word of God. Okay? Uh, they give themselves you know, a leeway according to human ideas. Yet the local church is God's idea, and he himself was the founder, the leader, and the head. And he calls a man to come to be the under-shepherd that gets his marching orders from God Almighty to give out to the people of the church. Members of the church are thereby a calling. In Jesus' day, it was his disciples. He called his disciples. In Ephesians chapter number 2, verse number 20, he says that he built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone just as he said to Peter, thou art a little pebble, I'm the stone, and I'm going to build my church on the stone. And the he- gates of hell cannot prevail against it. That means the gates of hell can't stop the church. Okay? If we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, and that and we're living for God and we're and we're being light and we're being salt, then gates of hell can't stop us, okay? Can't stop the church. It's his authority, and it's by his authority that we have uh, what we do, okay? Um, what's the church made of? Well, first of all, let's go back to the idea of what is a church, uh, or what does the word church mean? Um, a church is composed of called-out Baptized believers. That's what a church is. The word itself means a um, to, to, uh, uh, called out assembly to do business. Okay? It's based on uh, the word belonging to the Lord. It belongs to the Lord, coming called out to do business for the Lord. We're called out through salvation. You might be able, people can get their names on the roll to a church, but a real church, if they're not truly born again, they're really not a true member of that church. Now, they may be on the roll, and they maybe have voting rights, but if you never trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they're not truly part of that church, okay? Because we're called out through salvation, 1 Peter tells us we need to be born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. In, In 1 Corinthians 1, it says, Paul was called to be an apostle through the will of God to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ, called to be saints with all that every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. So, we're called. They become members of a church by being baptized. Because he said, they asked, what can we do? And they said, you know, believe on the Lord. Get baptized. Okay, baptism doesn't save a person. Okay, we need to have to understand that. Baptism was a picture. John, John the Baptist. Now, his last name wasn't Baptist. Okay? Uh, They gave him that that nomenclature because of what he did. Okay? Okay? His name was John, and by the way, he was Jesus' cousin, six months older than Jesus was. When you read about that, he was was taking people and he was baptizing them. And he was baptizing them by immersion as a picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ to come. Now we baptize as a picture of of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the past. And it's, an, and it's an identification. Members of the church that are truly born again identify themselves with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ by being baptized. It's a commandment. If you've trusted Christ as personal Savior, you died. Spiritually, you died you were buried with Christ, and you are raised in newness of life. And if you've trusted Christ as personal Savior, you need to follow the Lord and be believers' baptism and be baptized as a picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and as a personal testimony that you have been saved. That's what a Baptist church does. We received the name Baptist years years, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. By, believe it or not, by our enemies. Okay? The early churches, there were no denominations. They were just Christians. And they were called out. They began to to, to follow the scriptures. They followed the teachers of Christ. And... The devil got in and began to plant different ideas and to mix things up. And they perverted, just like the devil perverts everything, Okay, he, he, he perverts the Word of God, he perverts marriage, he perverts government, he perverts the church, he perverts everything. He perverted it. And when people would come out of some of these perverted cults and perverted pagan rituals, they may have been baptized before, but those that were in a true Bible-believing church would say, you need to be baptized again because it's got to be a picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it's got to be a testimony that you've trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so they said, okay, we'll do that. And so those groups were called Anabaptists, rebaptizers, Because someone would come along and say, well, I was sprinkled as a baby. And they say that, that doesn't cut it. Well, I, I, I was baptized, you know, when I was worshiping this idol over here. And they say, no, that doesn't cut it. You've now trusted Christ as Savior. You need to be baptized properly. And so they were called Anabaptists. And then down through the years, we dropped the name Anna and it's just Baptist, okay? We believe that it's the picture of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it's got to be in water. It's got to be the death, and you go under the water. And we've got to bring them up, because if we don't bring them up, it, it doesn't, you know, it kills the picture, and, and they don't like it either. So you've got to bring them up, resurrection and a newness of life. And the early church, that's what they did. When somebody got saved, they baptized them, And they become part of that church. It's local assemblies, okay? It's, It's not one big massive thing, it's local assemblies. There's more than one church in a town, there's lots of churches, but not all of them are biblical churches. Just because they call themselves a church doesn't mean it's a biblical church. The purpose of the church, if we go through all the scriptures and we read, would read everything, the purpose we would find is threefold, and it's to love God, it's to grow together, and to serve others. That's the purpose of meeting together. That's our job. The purpose of the church is loving God. Bible tells it when Jesus was asked this, he he said that we would love God with all of our heart, our mind, and our soul, and that was the first commandment, and the second one's to love one another. Okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read all of them, but that's that's uh, that was, that was the purpose, loving God, loving God, and we love God by spreading the word out and trusting His Son as Lord and Savior. Um, the Lord doesn't want us to render service to him uh, just because out of fear he wants us to render service to God because we love him. Why do we come to church? Well, because I got to. You know, it's kind of like the, the, the gentleman that wife came in and said, hey, you got to get up. You're going to be late for church. And He says, I'm not going to church. Anymore. Oh, you got to get up, get dressed. You've got to go to church today. He said, I don't want to. I don't feel like going to church today. you got to go to church today. And he says, why? Why do I have to go to church today? And she says, you're the pastor. you got to go. No, we don't go because we have to go. We come to church because we love God and we want to worship him together. We love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we want to fellowship with them. And we want to pray with them. And we want to sing praises together and worship our God together as as a community. Okay, Uh, We we come to church uh, uh, because of that. Um, Jonathan Edwards said this. He says, true love begins with God and loves him for his own sake. Self-love begins with self and loves God in the interest of self. Okay, what he's saying is we've got to love God for the sake of God. And we love Him. That's why we come to church. That's why we have services. That's why we have Sunday school. It's because we want to come together and we want to learn together what the Word of God says. So we have Sunday school. Now, a lot of times people think, well, Sunday school, that's for kids. Well, yes, we have kids, but it's for adults, too. We just changed the name. We call it Bible study, adult Bible study. You know, we get away from Sunday school, adult Bible study. Why do we do that? So we can get into the Word of God and take the time to see word for word and passage by passage what the Word of God says and how it applies to our lives. Okay? Why do we have preaching service? Because we want to, uh, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to, uh, uh, build each other up. And so the preaching service is, is there to, to build us up in the faith, to encourage us. It's also, uh, we have the service so that if we have someone that's unsaved, we can get them to the service and they can hear the word of God and possibly trust Christ to Savior and get saved. We have the preaching service. Uh, perhaps there's some areas in our life that shouldn't be there. And God knows it. Preacher doesn't know it, but God knows it. And sometimes God tells the preacher to preach something in the Word of God that touches our hearts. Has that ever happened to you? Where the preacher got up and he preached a message and, man, you just, oh, you're miserable because just exactly what he's preaching on is exactly what was happening in your life. How did he know? Who ratted on me? The Holy Spirit did. And sometimes... We just need to have the preaching just to encourage our hearts and to lift us up. Have you ever had a bad day? A bad week? You ever did you ever have one of those one of those weeks where just everything seemed to go wrong? You know, everything just seemed to go wrong. And you just kind of just down. Coming to the house of God and seeing God's people and praying with one another and hearing the preaching of the Word of God and singing the praises uh, out of the hymn and, and reading the Word of God has a tendency to lift up the Spirit. That's why we come to church. That's why we have services. We have more than one service. Does the Bible say we've got to have more than one service? No. But the services that they had aren't anything like what sometimes we had. We're told at one service that Paul was preaching, and he went up to midnight. Now, you think I'm a long-winded preacher, and pastor always giving me a bad time about being a long-winded preacher, but I've been been calculating his sermons lately, and he's getting pretty long too. How would you like it if we were having an evening service, and we started at 6 o'clock, and at midnight, you're about to fall asleep, and you were up there in the balcony, and you fell over and fell down, they didn't stop the preaching. They went over and said, well, how are you doing? Are you okay? Lifted you up, shook you up a little bit, had a little bit to eat, and had a little bit to drink, and then continued the sermon. That's what the Apostle Paul did. We don't do that, but we do have an evening service. So we, so we can have some more fellowship. We have, we have a prayer meeting. Why do we do that? Because this church Prayed. They had fellowship. They continued in the apostles' doctrine. That's the teachings of the Bible. They continued in the fellowship. That's why we fellowship. They continued with the breaking of bread. That's why we have fellowships over there, because we break bread. They continued in prayer. That's why we have prayer meetings, because prayer is our power. Prayer is where we get our hearts right with God, and we make that communication to God. And and he makes connections to us. Okay. So it it it, it's it's and we do it all because we love the Lord. We grow together. God did not design Christian life to be an event but a process. We're born again and you don't expect a baby to be an adult and start talking and eating steak and getting ready to go to college right after they're born. Right, They go through a growing stage. And each stage, you know, they grow and they grow and they grow. Well, folks, when you trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you became a babe in Christ. And he doesn't expect you to stay a babe in Christ. He expects you to grow. And that's how we grow, is a church helps us grow. You say, well, I can, I can worship God out in the trees and I can do this. Other. Yeah. yeah, but you can't grow. You need a church to help you grow. I'm not hearing very much amens out of this thing, I tell you. I'm, we're going to have to talk about amen. Let it be so. That's what it means, okay? Yes. Uh, we grow together through the teachings of the Word of God, uh, through our devoted fellowship, through our our giving to the Lord, through are serving others. Members in the church at Jerusalem served one another, not just in the word, but in action. Okay? They said, hey, they saw a need. And someone, they had needs. And it says, and all that believed uh, were together and had all things common. That isn't talking about communism. It's just that they said, hey, I've got, I've got these resources. He needs these resources. I can give them part of these resources to help this person. Okay. Uh, And that's what they did. They said they sold, some of them sold their goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. In other words, they recognized whatever they had, they had from God, and they were willing to share it with those that was in the congregation. And the church added to the church daily. They served others. How did they serve others? And I'm gonna I'm gonna close with this. I'm having a hard time seeing the clock back there because there's lights that's hitting that, and I can't tell those hands where they are. So you know I'm just. Um, how is this done? Well, they they God had given each person in this congregation certain opportunities and abilities, and He wanted them to serve others with them. And He'd done the same thing to Faith Baptist Tabernacle. You're here by design. You're here because God led you here. And God has given you certain abilities and certain talents, and He expects you to use those abilities and talents to enhance the rest of the congregation. Now, they're, they're mentioned in Romans, they mentioned prophecy that's proclaiming the Word, ministering, that's serving, teaching, that's making the ministries understandable. Exhortation, that was encouraging people. Uh, Giving, that was a a singleness of heart, appeals toward material things. Uh, The ability to rule, showing mercy. Those were some of the abilities that they were given, but he expected them to use them to serve each other. And so he expected them to develop their place in ministry. And He expects you to develop your place in ministry. Not just a hearer, but a doer. Not just a hearer. Not just coming in every Sunday and just sitting in and plopping down. Okay, I'm here. Oh, you need to be praying. You need to be working. You need to be, you need to be enhancing. You need to be encouraging. You need to be doing something with the talents and abilities that God's given you to enhance this congregation, because that's why God put you here. And of course, we need to have a we need to develop a passion for the lost. Luke nineteen says, "For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost." A church's desire is so that souls get saved, and I've mentioned this time and time again. Everything that we do, and if we have any type of ministry whatsoever, and we can have all sorts of different kind of ministries in church, but if the focus isn't to get people saved, then it's the wrong focus. Because that's what Jesus came to do, and he's the one that founded the church. And so we've got to do it the way he wants us to do it. So it's got to be designed towards that. Mark 16.15 says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, we can't go into all the world, but we can certainly send some money to these missionaries around that we have here. We can certainly take the resources that God gives us and we can set aside a little bit uh, for a tithe to operate the, the church. And we can set aside a little bit of money to give it to missions so that we can get the gospel out. to to missionaries. And that's why we have uh, mission minutes. We want you to hear what the missionaries that we support are doing and that God is doing in, in other places around the world. The continuation of the church, the church is going to continue. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep going until the day comes when the trumpet sounds and God calls us out of here. And the church is going to keep on going. The church goes and cannot be stopped. I was, I was just amazed with this thing in, in um, uh, you know, over there with Russia and with uh, Ukraine, um, you know, and and uh, the Ukrainians. We need to pray for the Christians in U- Ukraine. I was amazed, though, preachers in Ukraine instead of fleeing are praying. And they can't meet together in a congregation like we have, but they can get people to come to their house and they can gather around. Because remember, it's not the building. It's the people. And they're getting people to come to their houses and they're praying and they're preaching. And the church keeps going. And the church keeps going. And the church keeps going. Continuation of church. Through Christ's commission, we're told to go into all the world. uh, And it keeps on going. Uh, The continuation of the church is a result of us uh, being obedient, faithful in our attendance, faithful in our proclaiming the truth, faithful in using the gifts and abilities that God has given us, faithful in our giving, faithful at being light and salt. In conclusion, Jesus was the founder, the head, and the owner of Faith Baptist Tabernacle. The church consists of local a of local assembly that are saved and baptized and believers. The church continues today through yielding to what God tells us to do. The church was created by Christ and has an internal purpose, and that purpose is to bring people to Jesus Christ. We do it through the love of God. We do it through growth together We do it from serving together. God's purpose in your life is, number one, to be saved. Number two, to be scripturally baptized by immersion. And number three, to be active in church.